Hello, and welcome to the Heavenbound Podcast. My name is Jason Harden. I'm here with Roger Schaus, and we are opening the Bible in search of fuel for your spiritual journey. This is where we talk about life the way it was meant to be and what it means to be a disciple of Jesus in the 21st century. Wherever you are, thanks for joining us on the journey today. We're glad to have you with us. This month, the month of July, we're looking at Jonah. We're talking about Jonah in July, and in our first segment, we walked through chapter one of the book of Jonah, and we talked about the background of the story, a little bit where that book fits in our Bibles, but as chapter one ends, Jonah is tossed overboard, and he's swallowed by a great fish that God had created, and had that been the end of the story, that would have been the end of Jonah, but we have chapter two. And that's what we're going to look at today. And in chapter 2, in these 10 verses, we're going to read about Jonah's prayer. He prays from the belly of the great fish. And this really is the first of two prayers that's found in this book. Uh, Later on, as we get to chapter 4, Jonah's going to have another prayer to God. But in the midst of all this, Jonah prays. And before we read this, it's a short section, so we'll read this prayer I want to read you a statement written by an author by the name of David Roper, and this just kind of helps us to set the scene as we think about Jonah inside that fish for three days. Roper says, if you use your imagination to recreate the scene, it will terrify you. Pits black, sloshing gastric juices wash over you, burning skin, eye, throat, and nostrils. Oxygen is scarce. And each frantic gulp of air is saturated with salt water. The rancid smell of digested food causes you to throw up repeatedly until you only have dry heaves left. Everything you touch has a slimy feel of mucous membrane that lines the stomach. You feel uh, uh, closed in. With every turn and dive of the great fish, you slip and slide into a cesspool of digestive fluid. There are no footholds, no blankets to keep you warm from the cold, clammy depths of the sea. And this is an image that really we're left with. And then from chapter 2, Jonah prays. Yeah, yeah, it's not the um, Disney cartoon version of this whole thing. It is a terrifying, disgusting scene. And in verse 1, then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed. I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord 
spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. And again, you can't help but read this and understand the Lord's hand on this. Um, Why was it that Jonah wasn't thrown up in the middle of the sea and then he would have drowned? God wasn't done with Jonah, and God God is behind all these things. And that's that's a powerful thing we see that. Uh, Jason, what are some things you find missing in this prayer? Yeah, well, obviously he is in distress. He describes himself that way in verse 2. And he feels like he's dying, right? He feels like he is being drugged to shield, drugged to where the dead go, right? He feels like he is at the very base of the, the roots of the mountains. And so in a lot of ways, the language is similar to what we would run across in the book of Psalms. As you're looking at it laid out in your English Bible, it is laid out to indicate this is spoken or recorded in the form of poetry. And so obviously this is post all of these things and poetically looking back after it has happened. But it sure does seem to be glaringly absent anything where he would say to God, you know what, God, you were right and I was wrong. I, I should not have done this uh, in the first place. Instead, if you will save my life, I am going to make a beeline to Nineveh. No matter what I think, I'm going to tell them exactly what you want me to say. No matter how bad I feel about them, I'm, I'm going to be your faithful messenger. And God, I, I repent in dust and ashes and I will be faithful to you for the rest of my life. There isn't really any indication of anything in that prayer. Absolutely. And it's also interesting. He talks about himself a lot. He does. Uh, the word I, me, or my is used 23 times in just these eight verses. And so uh, he, he's in a he's in a pickle. He's in a big trouble, and he needs God to help him. It is interesting, also in verse three, for you had cast me into the deep. Well, we might say technically it was the sailors who threw him overboard, but he understood it was God. He understood that it was his disobedience that got him in this problem yeah. here. And so he's not blaming the sailors. He's not blaming the storm. He's not really even blaming God. He understands that it was his poor choices that got him here. And these are the consequences that he's having to face because of these things coming about. And that, that again, is something that I think stands out with this. Uh, I like verse 7 where it says, While I was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. How often that sometimes we don't think about God until there is a trouble. And, you know, we're we're on our way to the hospital and we think about to pray to God or there's some crisis in the family and then we remember God. And so, uh, you know, Jason, if I was to ask you, what are some things in our lives today that we ought to remember about the Lord? Yeah, well, Jesus in his Sermon on the Mount teaches us, reminds us in very simple terms, God makes his son rise on the evil and on the good, and God sends rain on the just and on the unjust. There are so many things that we can so 
easily take for granted. I I spent uh, last night mowing grass, and it didn't really occur to me as I was mowing grass to worry about whether or not the sun was going to rise tomorrow morning, right? It's just easy to live in those rhythms and assume, well, Tomorrow is going to be just like today. And as you said, at times we have these reminders, uh, these terrible disruptions in our lives, maybe interruptions that are a result of our own foolish, rebellious actions that nothing is guaranteed, right? If, if there is any hope in Jonah chapter two, I would say coupled with verse seven is the very last line of this prayer. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Jonah recognizes, okay, if I'm going to get out of this, if I'm going to live another day, it's going to completely depend on the Lord. Now, the problem is if he really believed salvation belonged to the Lord, he probably would react differently than he does in Jonah chapter 3 and 4. More about that in a moment. But we all need to remember that without the Lord, nothing would be. Without the Lord, we would not be. There would be no hope, no light, no purpose, no joy, no peace. That's something really worth thinking about as we head into this weekend. You know, it, it, it mirrors the, the prodigal son in Luke 15 after he had left his house with a pocket full of money and he spent it all and then there was a famine and then he was feeding the pigs and he remembered how his father took care of the servants. Yeah. He remembered. And it's those times that really help us is that when we remember God has been good to me in the past, God has blessed me, God has forgiven me. Sometimes we forget those those statements. And and you know what what's really powerful about this, especially as this prayer ends, he understands that if he's going to get out of that giant fish, it's going to be the Lord. Right. You know, this is not one of those Indiana Jones and movie where he pulls out a pocket knife and he <laughs> cuts his way out and there's a piece of wood floating by and he jumps on that and he paddles over to the island. No, no, that, that, that's Hollywood. And all of that excludes God. And Jonah understood that it's his disobedience to God that got him in here. It's going to be a humble heart that gets right with God that's going to get him out of here. And that's that's important for us to see as we kind of consider some thoughts here. Now, you know, it's also important for us, and, and sometimes in the midst of the story, and this is true in a lot of our Bible verses we look at, we get, we get real microscopic and get real narrow and look at these things as we should, but sometimes we forget the bigger picture. And we forget that Jonah was a prophet of God but he didn't want to do what God said. Yeah, yeah. There are times we are just like that. No doubt. I mean, this man needed a Savior just like David needed a Savior, just like you and I need a Savior. Just because I have done something in the service of the Lord does not mean that I can just put my will, my future on cruise control, and now whatever it is I feel like doing, God is going to be okay with. Not not at all. This man, 
really is struggling from beginning to end with his attitude, the way that he looks at people, the way that he thinks of God, the the, the way that he thinks of his own worthiness in the sight of God. And that ought to be a reminder to all of us. Maybe I was in a church building this past Sunday and and my next door neighbor wasn't. That does not mean that I deserve God's grace any more than my next door neighbor. Or that I'm better than he is. Yeah. Absolutely. And and, and what, what also is reflected through this is here's a man of God who did not think like God. Yeah. And, and again, there's that mirror to Luke 15 when, when Jesus, as that chapter begins, is accused by the Pharisees of associating with sinners and eating with them. And as he tells that great story, the prodigal son, what they're seeing is uh, God is like that father in that story, but we're not like that person. We're not like that. And jo- Jonah was not thinking the way God thinks. And again, you and I can get in that same position. We can kind of think like the world and our culture and realize that this is something that, that's just not the way God accepts or God thinks. And, and, and what we also find in here is here's a prophet of God who didn't like some people, yeah, and he didn't like the people in Nineveh. I think we're going to really talk about that a little bit more next week as we talk about him actually going to that city, what that city represented, but he simply didn't like them. And there comes times when the people of God have to struggle with prejudice and hatred and attitude issues, not like the God that they follow, but they've got to get right, themselves right in those those areas. Yeah, he is a mess. And yet, I mean, what stands out to me from this prayer is, for instance, in the middle of verse 2, he answered me. I I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Or in verse 7, when my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you. We have... All sorts of examples in the Bible of some really messed up people who made a mess of their own lives and negatively impacted the lives of the people around them. But when they were willing to humble themselves and cry out to God, we don't find God being, you know, behind walls with a force field against all prayers of everybody. If they've ever stepped out of line or ever embarrassed to themselves or ever slighted God, God, it's like Psalm 139, where David says, where can I go? Where can I flee from your spirit? If I descend into the deepest depths, you are there. And we have that modeled for us right here in Jonah chapter two. The Lord is there. The Lord hears, as you've mentioned, the Lord isn't done with Jonah. It is simply a matter of whether or not Jonah will humble himself and recognize, I've messed up. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Perhaps if I cry out to him, he will hear and he will deliver me. And and what a great reminder for us, because sometimes people uh, are looking for the perfect church. 
and that doesn't exist. Um, you know, we are a work in progress. We are on a journey, and we're not perfect, but our Lord is. And here's a Jonah. Here's a prophet. You'd think, well, the prophet of God ought to have his act together, his attitude it ought to be in check, but it's not. And and that reminds us that all of us got some things we need to work on and, and keep walking with the Lord. Yeah, there's no such thing as a perfect church. And uh, Roger, I'm sure you've heard uh, people say just like I have, well, I'm not good enough, but I'm going to get my act together. Uh, I'll straighten myself out, clean myself up, and then I'll start doing what God wants me to do. Well, here is a man, I mean, you revisit that disgusting quote that you read earlier, floating in fish gastric juices, but God hears him, and, and God isn't giving up on him. That, that ought to be a reminder to all of us. So in verse 9 of this prayer, uh, it begins with Jonah making this declaration, but I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. Yeah. Well, what, what do you see there? Yeah, well, I, he said earlier in verse 4, I'll look again upon your holy temple. Um, I don't know if Jonah has the literal temple in Jerusalem in mind or simply the, the presence of the Lord, but it sure does seem like it would be easy to read this as, okay, God, this is a mess. I've gotten myself in a mess, but I believe you can help me get home. I, I believe that you will help me get back to the temple, back to offering a sacrifice. And it's almost, as I read that third line, what I have vowed I will pay. It's almost like this thing we hear every once in a while. Maybe we've, we've said it ourselves. God, if you will get me out of this mess, I will. <laughs> and you fill in the blank. I, I don't know if that's exactly what's going on, but it sure does sound like, God, I can't do any of this now, but if you will deliver me, I'll do whatever you want me to do. And, and I think it's also interesting that uh, Jonah is not turning away from God. He's turning toward God. Right. Uh, how, how so many, because of their disobedience to God, they got themselves in, in all kinds of messes, and then they get angry with God. Jonah's not doing that. Jonah's realizing it was his choices that got him there. He's appealing to God to help him. And again, to see the, the, the climate and the culture that we're in today, that so many people will just want God to, you know, just pick me up whenever I'm in mess, kind of get me back on dry ground and then just leave me alone. No, that's not how it works. We, we, we are have to follow God because he has a will and a mission for us and we need to do that. I love how it says the fish vomiting up on dry land. I, <laughs> I, I would not like to be there when he walked off that mess. Oh, what, what he smelled like, what he looked like, just the stickiness and the smell of all that. But he was on dry land. He now has a new chance. And now is he going to keep doing this or is he going to find another boat and go the other direction? Jonah knows better now, and that's that's a great lesson for us there. Yeah, right beside that, it is remarkable to me the language, the Lord spoke to the fish. Um, every square inch of this universe is under the sovereignty of God, and 
birds are glorifying God by flying. Fish are glorifying God by swimming. This fish honors God by doing exactly what God wants him to do. It's human beings that seem to have the the persistent problem. And I, I love just taking that and applying it to ourselves. God has spoken to us. And what are we going to do about it? What are we, how are we going to live this weekend? God will continue to speak through his word, even in the, the reading of his word and the preaching, explaining, teaching of his word this weekend. It's just a question of whether or not we have hearts that are willing to listen. Absolutely. You know, and, and it reminds me of, uh, the gospel of Mark when Jesus was, uh, in the storm, he's in the boat with the disciples. They woke him up. And he speaks, and a storm stops. Yeah. I've often asked people, who heard him? Who's he talking to? The storm. Mm-hmm. But but <laughs> all creation obeys God. Yeah. We are the ones who have free will. And so often, we don't magnify God as we ought to. We use that free will to our disadvantage rather than to our advantage. And so great lesson here. We're right here in the midst of this book where we got two more chapters to go. But Jonah and July, great lessons for us. Roger, thanks for joining me today. Thanks to all of you for listening to the Heaven Bound podcast. We hope our conversation has helped you set your mind on things above and given you a little more fuel for the journey. Always remember, when you're walking with Jesus, you're heaven bound and the best is yet to come.